This is Becky Schultz. I sat down with Malcolm Early, Vice President of Marketing, and Ken McDougall, President of Skyjack, to get their insights on what is happening in the rental market for the lift equipment sector, how the industry is trending in terms of technology and innovation, and what we might anticipate going forward as we look at 2020 and beyond. Thank you, gentlemen, for joining me. How did the rental industry shape up in 2019, and what are you anticipating in 2020? Are we still on a solid footing? I think if you go back to 2019, we saw some the beginning beginning of some softening in the market for for rental equipment in the rental industry itself. I think ironically, 2019 and and looking into 2020, some of the forecasts that you'll get from the American Rental Association are are still relatively bullish and so in growth. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily transmit uh, through to the aerial business, I think. Um, if we look into 2020, we're expecting somewhat of an adjustment, uh, a lowering uh, of equipment sales into the marketplace as a whole. Uh, it's our job really to make sure that we get a larger share of those. But generally, I would say that we, we see the, the market for aerial equipment uh, going through somewhat of an adjustment in 2020. Um, and, and we do see that as an adjustment. I think if we look into 2021 and maybe a little bit later, uh, we, we see things growing again. Uh, and I think part of the reasons for some of those adjustments, I think we can talk about uh, the, the, the general economy and, and, and uh, the, the, the trade wars and tariff wars with, with China and the likes of. Uh, I think that has a number of implications, sure. uh, particularly on some of the raw materials that are used and the likes of in our business. Uh, but then uh, the other thing that we can't ignore, um, and although we talked about it in our press conference that we were forging ahead to design to the new ANSI standard, the new ANSI standard has been rumbling along for quite a while. It has. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, we've just gone through a, a delay until March. I suspect there'll be further delays. Um, and, and that sort of thing just helps create a, a degree of uncertainty uh, in, in the marketplace. And I think that's going to be reflected in some of the 2020 adjustment that, that, we're, that we're talking about. So you about. think people might hold off a little bit until they get confirmation that that's moving forward? Well, ultimately, I think the, the, the machines under the new standard um, uh, they're, they're, they're subject to more rigorous uh, design requirements right. and more rigorous testing re- regimes so from that point of view uh, you know one has to talk about the, 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 the cost of the machines that the standards Certainly. actually have an impact upon uh, I mean, from a Skyjack point of view we've tried to rebalance some of those costs by going beyond the, the actual standard and looking at uh, providing a machine that's got some other features on uh, that has largely uh, directed at increasing the return on investment for the rental company. But generally speaking, I think the rental companies see uh, see some of that that, that potential cost increase. Um, uh, so again, against the background of a, of a, uh, of confusion and when the standards are going to be coming into place and whatnot, I think yeah, they're, they're, they're starting to to hedge their bets a little bit, really. Understandable. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Ken, do you have anything that you'd like to add to that, or anything that you see specifically in the market? No, I think um, to Malcolm's point uh, with regard to the standard. I mean, I think the the most prudent thing that we did was just ignore kind of some of the noise. The equipment is intrinsically safer. Um, It has some features on it. We've just 
try to forge ahead. We can't wait for um, some of these um, the delays, you know. Mm -hmm. So I think that's one thing. I think uh, an election year is also in the U.S. is a, a, a bit of a pause Right, happening. it definitely influences um, things. What I'm hearing from most of our customers is just some cautious optimism, but they're just kind of a wait-and-see attitude. I don't think that there's nothing wrong with the economy. Right. Um, however, it's an election year. What's going to happen? Infrastructure bills, will anything actually happen? Uh, in the political climate of today, will anything actually get passed right. that could stimulate the market more? Um, there's a couple thoughts on that, whether something will get ramrodded through, um, and can the other party block it mm -hmm. um, without looking and getting egg on their face, or right. what will right. happen? So right. there may be a there may be a boost that comes, but again, just a lot of cautious optimism. Um, nothing's wrong. Just everybody's being a little more prudent, which is not a bad thing either. Um, and the OEMs need to be prudent too on on build rates, so we don't end up with a glut of equipment that ultimately um, impacts the market. Sure, that's very understandable for sure. So, taking a look at the specific trends in the aerial segment, um, have you seen beyond the ANSI standards certain trends in the overall, um, either in technology size classifications or anything that is specific to the aerial sector that is driving change I, I think you would you would probably see some at the, at the lower end of the scissor market, the lower height end of the scissor market. Uh, we've seen some new entrants there into the, the sub 19 foot uh, area. Right. Um, and you know, I, th I think that may be a trend that will develop. Um, I, I I think as well we're starting to see some of the impact in in, in the boom side of, of of new power sources, whether they be hybrid. Or, or, or electric um, so I think from th those points of view I think they will continue to to run a little bit I, I suppose we can talk a little bit about the idea of the lithium-ion battery in, in, in a DC scissor um, I think it's time has not come yet okay. uh, I mean ultimately I think the technology is is right is there it's it's an economic thing um, you know once once the cost of that sort of battery will gets gets it to the right sort of level I think you would see some some changes there right uh, you know outside of that I, I think I would I would talk a little bit about the telematic side of things um, uh, not least because what we launched at the show but uh, uh, more 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 commonly I think uh, over the last two let's say three years I, I think the aerial industry has really started to adopt the telematics and has started Absolutely. to think hard yeah. about it um, uh, was it an interesting presentation yesterday that the ERA put on, uh, and, and so, some of the uh, some of the adoption rates, particularly in the large nationals, are particularly high. Uh, they're not insignificant in the independent sector. The, 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 the some of the smaller companies, um, and I think you know, with some of the new developments in the way that the, the telematics technology is put to use, uh, I think that's going to uh, adopt as a quite an, a trend, uh, and and I think it will go beyond the telematics per se. It's what the telematics are doing to make the industry more productive that, that's the main driver for it Certainly, it, right. it's, it's just not about a box on the machine for the sake of a box that box has to do something that saves the rental company money or, or makes them more productive in terms of getting machines out
quite quicker to customers. Right. There has to be some kind of an ROI there. Yeah, definitely. Sure. Yeah. yeah, I think the um, to carry on with what Malcolm was saying is the the level of sophistication um, in the rental business um, and embracing the, the use of data and predictive analytics mm-hmm. the, um, can greatly increase the ROI for the rental companies by keeping that, I think, uh, when properly applied with the right data, which now is more accessible and more every day. And that's how we are really going through our suite of products is not just putting stuff out for the sake of it. We listened um, to our customers about batteries and what's the biggest drivers. How can we help provide them a solution that will ultimately save them money? Um, and then hopefully then guide them to us as their, as their provider. But um, the more data that's there, the more people start to embrace the fact that it's there to be used. Um, I think better off the better off everybody is. And again, like David said on, on Monday, it's not dots on a map. Um, right. It's it's not a GPS tracking system, mm-hmm. so that for asset recovery, although it is important for that, um, and that's only I think the tip of the spear, so to speak. Um, there's a whole bunch more, and the more data we get, and the more that it's open, mm-hmm. um, the more sophisticated the rental business becomes. Sure. Um, I think it's good for everybody. Right. It's pretty much learning from each other. It is. Uh, I mean, it's, it might sound a bit grandiose, but it's a, you know, when when people turn around and say they they know more about space than about the oceans, I, I, I think that, that, that when this some of this data comes out, that you you will see that there's a lot more data in the machines that can actually make yeah. help make decisions for you that we didn't know about or that we just took hunches on beforehand. Okay. Um, you know, and I think we found that in some of our research and some of the things that you'll see in future products of ours uh, that some of the uh, some of those uh, concepts and, uh, and ideas within the rental industry that are, are sacrosanct, you, you may find out that the data proves otherwise. And, right, and, right. And that, that, that would be quite, uh, quite revealing. I, I agree. What about other trends in technology that are coming to the aerial industry? Is there anything else that you, you see currently or that you anticipate coming um, that, we sh- that we should maybe be keeping an eye out for that might have an impact on the marketplace? You know, the 2035 no internal combustion um, announcement mm-hmm. um, will drive a massive change. Absolutely. Um, if and when that's applied and it's in it and it gets to that point, um, then the backside of that is what happens to all the fleet that's already there that has an internal combustion engine. So I think there's a, a knock-on, backwards knock-on effect um, as things get adopted um, and fleet replacement goes out, what happens? And I think there's going to be, there's a lot of, there's a lot of kid out there around the world um, that doesn't, does not comply to what a new standard might be of a non-internal combustion machine. So right, um, right. I, I think there's a, uh, it's a, it's a trend that's already started. It's happening. We're not ignoring it. We don't have the same offering as maybe some of our um, competitors do. It's not because we're not working on it. Okay. We're trying to pick the uh, the right moment, the right class, um, with the right solution, um, rather than rushing rushing something out to me too somebody else Mm -hmm. um, will work on something that we believe is more sustainable longer. And and I think particularly the the prospective legislation that Ken talks about there in the UK and and it would be, and I would guess a similar situation in the rest of Europe uh, that's bringing forward of the the end of the ability to sell an internal 
internal combustion engine or diesel engine. Uh, um, but in addition, more importantly, the hybrid engine, and this is all automotive in its background, but it sort of translates into the industry, so right. uh, into our industry. Uh, but in this particular case, the hybrid is now out of the question. Uh, you really? know, so so they're taking you know because that will have either diesel or a petrol contingent part of it that that that's covered under the ban. Uh, so you are talking about purely electric power. Uh, then? I've got to be careful how I say this. We are talking in today's terms about uh, pure electric, but we've got to just think about power sources rather than pure electric. Fair enough. You know, they're, they're, right. yeah. that that's an interesting development. I was not aware that it had gotten to that point with this proposed le- yeah. legislation. And, and again, that's in the automotive industry. Right. But, um, but it's certainly a lot of things that come from automotive translate down eventually into the, the equipment markets. Right, and, and the similar to some of the challenges that have been uh, um, encountered um, in the automotive space with battery life and, and usage, um, there's a whole other issue that comes up if the world runs on batteries um, and that's a clean technology it's there's a waste disposal of the batteries right there's actually a supply of raw materials for the batteries that's on some studies that I saw having just spent my last 10 years back in the automotive side uh-huh. um, there won't be enough with the current technologies in batteries and supply um, right. so other things will change absolutely and, and the We'll, we will, you know, as with everything. I mean, the good part about us being affiliated with an automotive parent um, is we're working on a lot of things in that space already in alternative power um, for the car industry. Right, so, so you can truck. learn learn the lessons from that sector right. and then transfer them forward. Okay, great. So it sounds like there's a lot that is exciting, the potential going forward. Um, is there anything else in terms of advancements that we need to be aware of or um, do you do you think that and I guess looking maybe more specifically how do you think the markets going to accept those advancements um, that, that we've been discussing because I think the challenge is that it can be hard to justify the added cost to, to your point about um, the battery powered systems the lithium ion battery certainly a more expensive technology is the customer ready for for that moving forward how are they what is the potential opportunity for all of the technologies that we've discussed today um, to give us some ROI I, I can't say that uh, Malcolm um, can obviously um, add more to this, but I can't say at the moment that they're ready. Yeah. Um, yeah. However, um, legislation doesn't give choice. Right. So I, I think when it becomes a reality, then the market will have to adjust to fit a new reality. Absolutely, yeah. So yeah. acquisition prices, rental rates, um, utilization rates, fleet sizes, all of that will have to adjust to however the technology advances. Okay. I don't think there's going to be, I mean, it, yeah, I, 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 I think that's the essence of it. You know, the, uh, the standards, the law, whatever you want to call them, they, they will stand as they are. 
uh, uh, businesses and individuals have have no choice once once they're right. enabled. Um, I think you start to see that in the likes of Europe. If if we look at uh, the major cities, certainly in Scandinavia, uh, London is one, Paris is another, uh, whereby that, that that legislation that we talk about is, is somewhat off in the future. Uh, they're making their own independent geographic, mm-hmm. geographically constrained uh, reductions in emissions sure. and the sure. likes of. Um, uh, t- to the extent, sometimes at the uh, 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 at the detriment of the progress, for want of a better word, in terms of construction and the likes of, uh, you know, that the, there isn't enough electric machines or, or hybrid machines at the current minute mm-hmm. to do all the work in 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 in, in the UK in London, um, you know. But at, at the end of the day. Uh, uh, when a, a guy from the ministry in UK turns knocks on the door, um, you ain't got an excuse. So. Right, yeah. exactly. I mean, we're already seeing, um, and I had some conversations earlier this week, that on certain job tenders, with that tender from a rental company for the equipment that's needed, they're submitting the carbon footprint with it. Interesting. So, in, in Europe, uh, but primarily then that just, or is dictating the number of pieces of equipment you can get based on the fleet makeup they have. Um, and it may not be optimal to what the norm was, uh, but it all has to be part of, it's starting to become, in certain areas, to, to Malcolm's point, it's not everywhere, but you're right. starting to see some of that pop up and there's more conversation on carbon footprints and what, what are we doing from a green perspective as right. an industry um, right. to comply with, with, that, uh, with that demand. Right, and yeah. we're seeing a little bit more of that coming into the North American market as well. Yeah, I think that um, unfortunately... At least the conversation. Yeah, unfortunately, recently, um, and you can take that however you want, um, the U.S.'s, U.S. North American markets have lagged a little bit. Right. Um, the, the conversations around climate and stuff is not right. um, at the forefront mm-hmm. um, as much as it was and probably should uh, right. be. And we, we see China and, and Europe being more progressive. Um, when we look again at the automotive right. space, um, we're doing a lot more development on um, e-axle technologies and things for automotive in China and Europe. And the U.S. is kind of next, maybe. Right. Um, yeah, it's starting. It's starting yeah. to lag behind. I agree. I think yeah. that's a fair assessment. So, but, right. but I think ultimately during that sort of process, the, the rental industry will will be challenged by some uh, challenged by some of these sort of For sure. legislations yeah. and activities. And, and, and I think maybe this is a bit of a weak link. But you know, when we come back to the telematics and the likes of and other technologies that help increase the productivity within the rental industry, I see the rental industry being more hungry for those sorts of tools that try to offset some of some of these costs in other areas in other areas right and that's a good point and really that's something that um, another question that I did have is looking at the technology that's currently available where is the incentive there to invest in in newer lift equipment is it things like the the type of data that you can gain what what is the what is going to drive that adoption of 
the latest technology? Is it going to be the ANSI standards? Is it going to be the, the demand for better information? Is it a combination of all the above, or is there more to that as well? I, I think uh, I, I would say the ANSI standards are promoting and, and, and bringing the design standards of area work platforms at a, at a common level around the world. Right. So it's the European, Australian legislation itself. I think when we come to the, the technology, uh, the, the productivity drivers are the key sorts of things. Um, and, you know, it comes down to relatively simple simple things. If you can avoid uh, one one call out of an engineer per, per month or uh, I could say per week or per month or per quarter, uh, you know, if you can save that one call out and that call out is going to cost you $150, um, you know, and, and sometimes there may be two call outs because you've got to go and find out what's wrong, right. then you've got to come back and get the parts and then you go out to, to, to the machine again. So, you know, all of a sudden you're up to $300 and when the technology nowadays that we have now can turn around and say, well, the fault is X. Um, it doesn't have to come out, mm -hmm. so you've saved one lot of money. Or the the the, the fault is actually need to go out with parts. Why? He's not doing two trips, he's doing one trip. Exactly. So all of those sorts of things. Uh, and I, I think one of the things that we're finding as, a, as an organisation, that we, whilst we're very familiar with the equipment and what the equipment is and how the equipment is used at, uh, in its day-to-day -day operation, one of the things that we uh, were being more cognisant of is what the rental industry works like on an operations day from day to day. Sure. So, and some of those things don't touch upon our equipment per se, right. um, you know, the, the cover, the, the care of the equipment. Uh, but I was just speaking to a rental company the other day who was trying to digitise every, every um, you know, delivery, every order process. So he's got one order process all the way through that, that comes through, selects the machine electronically, and uh, so all of those operational considerations of the rental company. So I see more and more manufacturers having to become more expert at understanding the day-to-day -day operations of a rental company to develop the technology that matches the operational need. And that's fantastic. I think better understanding leads to better products that meet the needs of all of the, the customers, all the construction business owners. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you, gentlemen, for joining me. This has been incredibly insightful. Thank you. Thank you very much.